Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want you to notice the word ministry here as we read through, beginning in verse 7. But if the ministry of death, that is talking about the difference between the old covenant law and now having been reborn in Jesus, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, Moses' Ten Commandments, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steady at the face of Moses. Remember when Moses would go up and visit with God and God would give him the word and he would come back with the word of God. Sometimes with stones engraved with that law of God, then people couldn't even look at Moses' face because of the reflection of the glory of God. If that was with glory... How, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? You all know what glory is? Well, when I was a little kid growing up in church, glory was always heaven. Well, no, that's where perfect manifested glory is. But glory is the outward manifestation of an inward essence. I've told you this many times before. The outward manifestation of an inward essence. Okay? All right. Now watch this. I'm going to do this again. The glory of electricity the glory of electricity is light. It's the outward manifestation of an invisible essence, right? When we're born again, something is restored on the inside of us that got lost in the Garden of Eden and perpetuated through Adam and all of his descendants, of which you and I are definitely sons and daughters of Adam. But we've been reborn as sons and daughters of the living God through faith in Jesus Christ. And guess what? The glory of God that was lost in Adam is restored in Jesus. And as the Lord Jesus is allowed to have his lordship in our life, more and more the glory through the Holy Spirit's agency is being manifested in us. So this passage is talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in Glory, that is the manifestation of the life and character of Jesus. 4, verse 9, if the ministry of condemnation had glory, that is the ministry of the law, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. That is the gift of righteousness through the, through the grace of God received by faith. For even what was, was glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. The comparison of the glory of God speaking to Moses and the stones of the law can't even compare with the glory of the indwelling Jesus through the Holy Spirit in the believer. No comparison. 
Therefore, verse 12, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains because it's in the, in the reading of the Old Testament, because it is only taken away in Christ. But even to this day when Moses is read, that is the Mosaic Law, the first five books of the Old Testament, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now watch this. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit is Lord... Where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. But we all, that is those of us now in Christ Jesus, in whom the Holy Spirit dwells, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, that is the image of Christ, from glory, that is from one manifestation of his character to another, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we continue to look at Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the Holy Spirit is, is bringing about more and more of the glory of God. It is being reflected in and through us as we fix our eyes on Jesus. The Holy Spirit is making it happen. Therefore, since we have this ministry, everybody say this with me, I have the ministry of the Holy Spirit bringing about the glory of God as I look at the face of Jesus. Hallelujah. As many as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced, that's a powerful word, we have renounced the hidden things of shame. That which I am still locked into, that which blinds me and keeps me, that which resists the glory of God that I keep hidden in the closet of my soul, I'm bringing it out into the open and I am renouncing those hidden things. Not walking in craftiness or handling the Word of God deceitfully. I'm not trying to make his word fit my performance. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now last time we, we took the major part of a whole teaching on spiritual warfare. And we talked about how the Word of God is very clear, and that is we are in a war. Remember our First Peter 5 passage? Be sober, be on the alert. Your enemy, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking someone he may devour. Remember what James tells us? Resist the devil. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Listen, he is a defeated foe, but he's still an active foe. He is legally, legally defeated, but he is very active, and he is looking for someone to deceive into cooperation. And remember in our text in 1 
Peter chapter 5, the context of that was somebody who wouldn't, wouldn't humble themselves and somebody who chose to carry their own worries, cares, and anxieties. In that vulnerable state, we become very attractive to the evil one. We talked about those issues of how we are called on by the Word of God to be alert. We are to stand, stand girded with the, with the loins of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of peace, and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit and praying at all times in the Spirit. Put on the whole armor of God. We're in a war. We're in a beautiful, marvelous love story from heaven, but it's in the context of a war. And we are to learn to, to walk in obedience to the Lord with His full armor and learn to resist. And then last time, I didn't get a chance to develop the practical side of how do I, how do I make war in prayer? How do I begin to engage the warfare in the act of praying? One of the keys that I am just now learning to a greater extent is, and remember, last time we talked about how you were made in the image and likeness of God. Everybody say this with me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Your spirit man, your heart, is where the Holy Spirit has made, he takes up his residence when you, by faith, through the grace of God, receive Jesus as your Lord. He comes to live in your heart of hearts, in your spirit man. Remember now, let's call that your living room. Central control. Central control, your living room. But I want you to imagine that you live in a pretty big house. You've got a basement, you've got upstairs rooms, but in the central control room, there the Lord of the house lives there, and he's not going anywhere. He is the Lord of the house. By divine right, do you not know that you've been bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God in your mind and your body, which are the Lord's. Romans 14, 8, whether we live, we live to the Lord. Whether we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Do you not know that you're not your own? You've chosen to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him. He is the Lord of the inner dwelling of your spirit and soul. Your spirit man, where the Holy Spirit lives, your soul is made up of suke, your mind, your emotions, your will. And in, let, let's say that your soul is where all these houses are. You got upstairs and downstairs houses, but in the central control room, in your heart of hearts, is where Jesus Christ, in the person of the Holy Spirit, lives and is Lord of your life. Amen? But last time we said our problem comes in when there are certain rooms in the house that are not exposed 
They're not, we got some doors closed. We got some stuff behind doors. We got some stuff hanging around the attic in the basement that he does not have full, full authority over because we hadn't submitted it to him. Do you understand this? Jesus is not going to force his way into any room in your soul. He's going to stand at the door and knock. And you've got to make the decision whether or not to open the door. You know, for many years I preached that, that uh, in salvation, and I guess it's okay. But remember, behold, I stand at the door and knock was spoken to the church in Revelation. All right, so what doors, what closets, what areas of my inner man am I still keeping closed off from the Lord of the house? Hmm. And so, here's the thing. Jesus is not going to force his way in there. You've got to invite him in there. And you know what you need to do before you do that? You have to do what I do almost every day. And I say, Holy Spirit, reveal in my inner man those rooms. Reveal in my inner man any area where you have not been welcomed and where you are not free to walk in and out of that door where you don't have full sway. Just show me, Lord. Show me. You say, well, do you ever get to that point to where you don't ever have any resistance in the area of your soul to the Holy Spirit? Yeah, you get to that point when you're taken out of here and you meet Jesus and live with him forever. As long as you got skin on and I have skin on, there's new ground to be taken. Amen? Amen. And we've all got it. And so <clears throat> we should pray every day, Holy Spirit, show me those because look, look, are you listening? Sometimes, even though it's illegal for an intruder to come into your house, sometimes you can be negligent enough to leave your windows open and he'll get in anyway. The Word says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of your life. What I find is... If I am not conscious of what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell me about things that I may think about or feelings that I may have or decisions I may make, if I'm not diligent about that and listening to His voice, what I find out is there's some stuff get in the room that's resisting His full sway and authority over that room. Amen? And the Bible says... The longer those thoughts and feelings stay in those rooms in our soul, unexposed to the Holy Spirit, they, said, they start acting like they own that room. That's what the Bible calls in 2 Corinthians 10, strongholds. It's resistance to the Lord of the house getting in there. And so what we need to do, saints, is to constantly say, Holy Spirit, show me, Lord. Because can I tell you something? You don't have to go out in your neighborhood and advertise, okay, all thieves, you are welcome here. All you have to do is be negligent in the oversight of your home. So whether it's by invitation, 
or negligence. I can open doors that will be pockets of resistance in my own soul to the Lordship of Jesus. Wow, okay, so what are in those? How do I pray through that, Pastor? Well, invite the Lord to show you and to be, invite Him as Lord over every situation. You got conflict in your family? You're fixing to see somebody that there's conflict with? What about before that ever happens? Why don't you invite the Lord into the conversation? Why don't you invite the Lord into the meeting itself? Why don't you say, Jesus, I'm asking you to rule and overrule. I invite the Lord's presence and His authority over uh, these meetings. I invite the Lord's presence and His authority over all of our services. Do what you want to do. Here's the thing. He doesn't operate freely if he's not invited willfully. So invite the Lord into the situation. Pastor, how would I know that he's there if the chaos gets bigger? Well, let me ask you a a question here is, is it the will of God to bring order into his people? Is it the will of God to bring wholeness? So if you say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, even if it means correction for me, I invite you in to this situation, work, home, family, whatever. We invite you to have your way here. Ask him in faith and trust that he's at work to do it. I will tell you sometimes, sometimes when you invite the Lord into a situation, it looks initially worse. You, you, you do know, don't you, that if you go into an abandoned house and turn the light on, there's, the roaches are going to start scurrying. The light didn't create any of the roaches, it just dispelled them. And you didn't even know they were there until the light was turned on. Right? So sometimes when you invite the Lord Jesus into a situation, things will, eventually, will initially get worse. Light comes. But can I tell you something? Continued invited light will eventually dispel darkness. Dark, not, darkness has to yield to light. Hallelujah. So... When I'm in prayer, I invite the presence of the Lord come into this situation, and I believe that if I ask you anything according to your will, and I know it's your will to be Lord and bring order, I believe that you're here at work. Secondly, renounce the agreements that you have made with lies. Now, we brought that up initially at the end of last time, but we didn't get to go into it. I want you to look at verse 2. We have renounced. The word there in the Greek is from Ariron. This is, a, this is an amazing word. It means to formally speak away. It means to break off the power of something by a formal declaration. You do know that 
Your mind has to stop and listen to what your mouth says, don't you? Words have authority over thoughts. A renouncement is a formal declaration by the words of your mouth. Paul says we have renounced, we have formally declared and spoken off the hidden things of shame. So you go before the Lord and you say, Lord, show me what's in the house that is in my inner man. Show me, get, shine light in there by the Holy Spirit. Shine light, Lord. That's where you invite the power. Remember what Jesus said? If you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You remember what Hebrews 4.12 says? The word of God is full of life and power. Sharper than a two-edged sword and it's able to even distinguish between spirit and soul. The word of God. There's power and authority there. So you begin to speak or what you begin to speak those things that are hidden in shame and you renounce them. You declare in the name of Jesus that they have no authority over you or over those whom God has given you spiritual responsibility or influence with. So what's in your inner room? What about fear? When you go before the Lord and you say, Lord, show me what's in those inner rooms. Could there be cowering like there was for me for 38 years? Could there be cowering a stronghold of fear? Could there be a room in your inner man that is just locked off to the ministry of the Holy Spirit? And you've lived with it for so long. So you ask the Lord, what's in the room? And if the Lord begins to show to you, well, you, you, really, you really have dread and fear that rises up in you at the most inopportune times. Ask the Lord this question, how did it get there? How did it get there? And you know what the answer is going to always relate to? A lie you've chosen to believe. Somebody said something. Somebody forecast something on the news that was going around the neighborhood and is probably going to get you too. A doctor told you, well, this might be. Where is, how did fear enter? So ask the Lord, how did that get there? And then... <clears throat> You begin to, let, let's say that fear is an issue. And so, how do you renounce fear? Well, it could go something like this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that according to your holy and mighty word. Remember, with your mouth, you're speaking the truth of the word. It's a renouncement. I thank you that you, Jesus, have authority over all things in heaven and on earth. I thank you, Lord, that I have the mind of Christ in me. And I hereby declare that 1 John chapter 4 is true, and that is there is no fear in your perfect love. Your perfect love casts out fear. And so, Lord, I thank you that according to Romans 5, I, the love of God has been poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit. 
So I thank you that the love of God dwells in me right now. Fear has no right. I receive the love of God, and I believe that it casts out all my fear. I receive the love of God. Of course you're going to take care of me. Of course you love me. Of course you're concerned about every issue of my life. Of course my life is in your hands. In the name of Jesus, I will not fear. Now that's a renouncement. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not going to say anything. Well, can I tell you something? The devil's not God. He's not omniscient. He can hear your words, but he don't read your mind. The Holy Spirit's omniscient, not the devil. How did Jesus fight the devil? He just spoke the word. He didn't think the word. He didn't write the word. He spoke the word. Be gone. What did he do? He spoke the word. It is written. It is written. Well, if it worked for Jesus, why would it not work for me and you, Lawrence? Why would that not work? The spirit of fear. Is it there? I I carried that around for 30-something years. It is not fun. All right? And remember this. You say, well, Pastor... Fear is just everywhere. Did you know that, yeah, fear is a mindset, but you know it's also a personality? Sure it is. 2 Timothy 1.7. What did Paul write to Timothy? God has not given us the spirit, pneuma, of fear. Believe me, if you collect thoughts of fear, there will be a demonic stronghold there will be an oppression that will try to keep the door to the lord of the house closed learn to renounce learn to renounce well what if i'm saying oh lord show me what's in there what what about what what if i believed was my security i may lose my job And you know what your mind's going to do? Your mind's going to assume, well, if I lose my job, oh, my goodness, 30 seconds later, you'll be under the bridge down there by the mission. You can get there fast, can't you? Right? Can't you get there fast? I was pastoring the church, and now I'm homeless. (laughs) You can get there fast. I may lose my job. Who's your provider? Is that your employer? No, he's the warehouse, but he's not the manufacturer. He's just got some good stored that God has chosen for you to serve. There's one great supplier, and he is almighty. He is not broke, and he is your shepherd. You shall not want. Do you believe it? Oh, well, hey, I'm just so afraid that my children are going to turn out wrong. And you're going to do a lot of good at 3 a.m. trying to create those scenarios of their demise, right? Remember, you have input, but you don't have authority. Your authority is in the Word of God before the throne of heaven. Your God can do what you can't do with your children. 
Your input is to love and to pray and to serve and to set boundaries under the direction of the Holy Spirit. But changing their heart is not your job. And the more you try in your own power, the, the worse it's going to get. Can anybody say amen on that one? Fear. Well, I'm so afraid that I just won't be able to succeed. In whose eyes? Who's more important to you to succeed in their eyes than for you to walk in obedience unto the Father who loves you and created you and redeemed you and is incredibly in love with you and wants the best for you? In whose eyes? What's in the inner room? What about my assets? They're running out. My health seems to be failing. Where is it that I have these scenarios of my own demise? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those to you and where they came from. What about rejection? How many of you know that if rejection is allowed to continue, if you don't deal with it before the Lord, you will carry rejection until the day you exit here? Where did the thought that's deep in your inner man, where did this, where did this come from? I'm not good enough. Where'd that come from? Who told you that? The coach? The teacher? Your parent? Oh, your brother or sister? The boss? Who has authority over your life that they can say to you, you're not good enough? Who have you given that kind of authority? Don't ever forget this. Don't ever forget this. If you ever can just go before God, if you can ever get revelation of how your Father sees you, you will never be inferior to another man again. Not one minute. Do you hear that, Andrew? Stand up. You get revelation of how your father sees you. You're, one of my, you're my grandson in the Lord. You're Jeremiah and Gene's son. But I can claim you as a grandson. Because I'm their parent. Amen. You get revelation of how your father sees you. And you won't have another minute of feeling inferior to any man the rest of your life. Any man. Did you hear that, Lawrence? Get revelation of how your father sees you. Now, I don't say this disrespectfully, but I would not drive across town to visit with the President of the United States. Not just this one, but a whole bunch of them. You know why? Because I'm a son of the living God. I've got an audience with the Father of Heaven, and that doesn't do one thing for me. I pray for them. But your significance in mine doesn't come from there. Your security doesn't come from there. Who have you given authority to reject you and you have to bear that? 
You say, well, pastor, how would I renounce that? Maybe it goes something like this. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you have chosen me. Your word says in Psalm 139 that you knit me together in my mother's womb. You planned just the way I would look. You planned how many days I would be on this earth. Your word says that you put your hand on me, that I am fearfully and marvelously made. Your word says, Jesus, that you came to give me life and that I might have it more abundantly. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that you've given all authority in heaven and earth unto Jesus. And there's no man, no woman, no demon of hell that has authority over me. I belong to Jesus. He is my Lord, and I declare that all that rejection of not being good enough has to die in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you have made me holy and righteous and beloved in your sight, that you have declared me your holy and righteous son and daughter. And in the name of Jesus, you said that I'm a special treasure and your eye never leaves me. That's a renouncement. And if you don't make an announcement and speak the authority of God's word, you're just going to be trapped with these thoughts going back and forth. Rejection. Fear. Shame. Can I ask you something? Why do you feel like that there is a sin that you committed that your father has just not forgiven you for? Oh, it was just too hideous. It was too embarrassing to the Lord. I grieved the Lord and he can't get over it. No, you can't get over it. I'm reading... From he, and you know, a lot of us carry shame because of those instant replays of our past failures and sin. I'm the only one, right? Y'all got real quiet. Hebrews, listen to this. Chapter 10. But the Holy Spirit witnesses to us. This is what he'll tell us. This is the covenant that I, have, that I make with them after those days, says the Lord. This new covenant that we celebrate. I will pour my laws into their heart and in their minds. I will write them. And then he adds, for emphasis, verse 17, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Maybe next time the instant replay of your sin begins to bring shame, maybe you shouldn't just keep on saying, oh, God, forgive me, I'm so sorry. Maybe you should say, thank you, Father, that through the blood of Jesus I am forgiven and you have forgotten my sin. Renouncement. Renouncement. Why do you have to punish yourself and withhold? And why would you not forgive yourself? Can I tell you something? It's not good enough just to forgive people who hurt you. You've got to forgive yourself. Go to the Lord. Get hold of His Word. Believe it. Receive it. Renounce shame's power. What about anger and bitterness? What can you not let go of? What can you not? Look, 
Forgiveness is not saying it's okay, because it's not okay. Forgiveness is not saying, well, I'm going to try to forget it. You're not going to forget it. Forgiveness is saying the cross is enough. So, Lord, I submit this person, and I bring this deal before you, and I thank you that the cross was enough for me, that you washed me free of all my sin. And, and so, Lord, I now commit this person and what they've done against me I commit them to you and the cross, Jesus. The cross is enough. And you know what happens then? You quit trying to make them see it, and you quit trying to make them pay. You turn them over to Jesus. And can I tell you something? He is the only one that can set them free, help them get it. God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So if I'm still trying to make them pay, then I'm going to carry on, I'm going to carry somebody in my inner man that is so weighty I will never succeed. Lord, I bring them to the cross and I let them go to the cross. It's up to you now. They're yours. I receive what the cross did for me and I take them to the cross in Jesus' name. Speak it out loud. It's a renouncement. Learn to declare the word. And why is that so important? Joshua 1.8 says it like this. There was an overwhelming assignment that God gave Joshua to take the land of Canaan. It was overwhelming. There was no way in the natural he could do it. And here's what God said. Here's how you succeed. Get you a mighty, mighty, mighty powerful army. Nah. He said, God, here's how you succeed. Do not let my word depart from your mouth. Don't let it keep coming out of your mouth. Let the word of God come out of your mouth and meditate on it day and night and be careful to do according to all that's written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have great success. Some of you are trying so hard to be successful. Have you learned the power of the spoken word of God? It has his life and power in it. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life, John 6, 63. The word of God. Are you doing it? Oh, I've heard this before. Are you doing it? Pastor, you've gotten on our face two weeks in a row now. Are you doing it? The power of a renouncement. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. I love it when Jesus said this. Whoever says, whoever says to this mountain, you've got to say something. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says takes place, he will have whatever he says. The context of that is have faith in God. So you take what God has said. You don't just make something up. And you speak that word. You, can I ask you something? Do you have revelation that what you genuinely believe in your heart, I mean you genuinely believe the word of God in your heart and you release the power of that spoken word out of your mouth, that is the very authority of the word of God. 
And it has just as much authority when he released it and was printed on the page. That kind of authority is right there on the inside of you if you'll just learn to do what the Word of God says. Walking in partnership with the Lord. Well, I close with this reminder. Nothing happened to you internally until you said something. Did you know that? Nothing happened in this world until God said something. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. Romans 10 says it like this. If you will confess with your the Lord Jesus and believe in your that God has raised him from the dead, you will be. For with your heart you believe, resulting in righteousness. And with your mouth, you confess, you get in agreement with his word, resulting in your salvation. This is critical, folks. Learning, this is warfare prayer. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't just set apart a few people in the church who are the warriors. You become a warrior. You become a warrior in prayer. Because it's in the context of prayer that renouncements are made. Renouncements following revelation changes everything. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Looking forward to being with you next Sunday and finishing this series. Next Sunday, unless the Lord overrules me, I'm going to teach on how do you keep praying when it looks like it's not working. You've had that experience, haven't you? Father, thank you for your holy and mighty word. Thank you for the power and the life that is in that word. I pray today, God, for all of these, your precious sons and daughters. Grant them greater revelation, O oh God, as you do, Dean, and me, of how authority is released in the realm of the kingdom. Through what's believed in our heart of the Word of God and what's spoken with our mouth, show us the power of renouncement that we may walk free in the context of prayer that we may follow you, God, and that we may be developed on this earth as you have intended, as warriors in the realm of the Spirit of God. Show us what's in the rooms that need exposure by the Spirit of the living God. And thank you for your mighty grace, the power to change. We receive it by faith. I pray your blessing now. On all of these, go before them, with them, and behind them. Protect them, Lord. Keep them. Bless them mightily with revelation and resources far beyond any that, anything they've ever known. Bless their homes. Bless their businesses. Bless their families. 
bless their health. We ask in the name of Jesus, believing that we receive. Amen. Go with God. He's going with you. We'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.